First in our Bill of Rights is the freedom to hear uncensored ideas and opinions, to think your own thoughts, and to say what's on your mind. We couldn't have liberty without it. Now, more than ever, it's good to spout off, to listen, debate, and participate. Here's your host of Spouting Off, commentator, columnist, and all-around rabble-rouser, Karen Cataline. The joys of live radio. We had a couple of gremlins, but we are working it out. Welcome to a Friday, February 4th. 2022, and there's a lot of global warming running across the country, a lot of people with snow and sleet and hail, and that never stops the left on their appointed rounds of blaming everything on global warming and climate change. Yeah, we have climate change. It's called the weather. Uh, I, I started off with a fit and start to tell you some good news. The good news is... The corporate big tech censors are failing. Alex Berenson reports February 3rd, Facebook shares are getting crushed. This was yesterday. Down almost, can you believe this, 25%. The company's value has fallen today more than Boeing and General Motors are worth. Why? And this is a, a tweet from Alex Berenson. You Make your own determination. For the first time ever, the number of Facebook users is shrinking. The ridiculous rebranding to meta platforms probably didn't help. <laughs> Apparently, deplatforming every person and group who has not woke, uh, who has a non-woke thought, isn't working out so well for Mark Zuckerberg. How about that? Uh, so when people say there are more of us than there are of them, that isn't just a platitude or a cliche. That's really, really true. It's true. And people are figuring it out. Those that want to shut you down for simply asking questions, debate, not only are they infantilizing you, treating you like a child, but they're also robbing you of your freedom Without the First Amendment, without free expression, we have no freedom at all. Which brings me to what I really wanted to talk about on this Cash Friday. Go out, spend some cash on Cash Friday, would you? Uh, and that is, let's, uh, I'm working on a piece right now on my website at KarenCataline.com about slavery. It's time to start talking about slavery again. The left thinks that they have a monopoly on the discussion about slavery. Uh, they think slavery is only what happened to black people, uh, and that's not all it is. Now, let me just read you the definition of slavery. And by the way, uh, we are going to be addressing the whole Whoopi Goldberg issue because it's so delicious on so many levels. I have a couple of opinions, but I'm having a wonderful guest uh, in about five, six minutes that will um, should be fascinating discussion here about that. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because Whoopi Goldberg thought 
apparently thinks, since there's so much attention given to black slavery, which it was atrocious, and America has fought a war over it. You can debate that question if you like. Uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who's really quite the ignoramus, believes that that that's the only thing that constitutes racism, and that's that black people have some sort of a monopoly on racism. No, they don't. Um, Racism and bigotry is racism and bigotry. That's why uh, the left tried to let you think that any kind of racism and bigotry against anybody but black people uh, is somehow wrong and incorrect. Uh, But I say that by way of explaining that a lot of people think that there is a uh, a certain special definition of slavery. Uh, slavery is the practice or institution of treating other human beings like legal property, like uh, a state of subjection of a slavery. I'm reading this out of the dictionary. The reason I think this is so, so very important is because When you single out a group of people, I don't care if it's based on class or race or anything else, you are uh, uh, creating the early conditions of slavery, of owning other human beings and forcing them to live as you would like. We thought the 60s and the left uh, uh, were were anti-slavery, but apparently They're okay with slavery as long as they enslave the right people. How about anti-slavery for all and free markets? I got to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, I'm going to introduce you to our guest. We're going to continue this conversation right after this. Karen Cataline, you're listening to Spouting Off here on BBS Radio and at KarenCataline.com. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. Do you have a secret that's been bothering you? Have you been wondering if what you're thinking or feeling is normal? Is there someone with whom you've needed to clear the air, but you haven't been able to find the right words? Sometimes you need an objective, second opinion to help you see your problem more clearly. Ask Aunt Emma, and she'll help you move past what's getting in your way. She's a former therapist who is wise and caring, but instead of therapy, she'll give you terrific advice. It's free to ask Aunt Emma and explain your need, problem, or question. If you both agree, you pay only $1.39 a minute. It's anonymous, it's confidential, and you'll be surprised at how effective it is. You can Ask Aunt Emma by going to facebook.com forward slash askauntemma. There, you'll find her phone number and extension number. That's facebook.com forward slash askauntemma. Ask Aunt Emma today. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. We continue our conversation here on Spouting Off Friday, BBS Radio, K-Star Radio Network, and all across America. Just tune in at KarenCataline.com. We continue our conversation. We'll start out with a little bit about Whoopi Goldberg, but I found a wonderful guest to discuss this and a good many other issues as they relate to, well, the Jewish people and uh, bigotry. Uh, No one has a monopoly on bigotry, unfortunately, and the people pointing the fingers are the ones 
that seem to be most guilty of it. Welcome to Scott Shea, author of Good Faith, Questioning Religion and Atheism. And it's a Mosaic Authors Best Book of 2018 and a finalist for a National Jewish Book Award. And getting our groove back, how to energize American Jewry. Can't wait to hear all about that. Scott is co-founder and chairman of Signature Bank. His essays have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Daily News, Bloomberg, The Hill, Jewish Week, and a whole lot more. Welcome, Scott Shea, to Spouting Off. Karen, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I just want to mention my newest book, which is, for better or for worse, super-duper timely. It's called Conspiracy You, Ah, a case study. And that's about how conspiracy theories about Jews are masquerading as scholarship on campuses all over the country. You know what? That was the original reason that I invited you on. Uh, I'm going to, to take a leap and say you're probably Jewish. Are you probably Jewish? I am, and I'm the son of a Holocaust survivor. (laughs) Right, and I should know that. I am a fellow MOT, uh, and that, for the listeners, is member of the tribe. It's so interesting that there are actually conservative Jews in the world. And that was the main thing I wanted to delve into, because I myself, in my travels as a Jewish conservative talk show host have been coming up against some of those conspiracies. Before we do that, however, we just got to talk a little bit about Whoopi Goldberg, because I've been asked about it on radio shows all week, and I just want to set it up this way. There are two schools of thought about this on the conservative side. One is stop supporting censorship, and yeah, let let, uh, people stop watching that stupid show to begin with. But why does ABC or anybody else get to be the final arbiter of what's true when the other people on the stage there believe in 57 genders, et cetera, et cetera? The second, the second school of thought is mutually assured destruction. If you censor one of ours, we're going to censor one of yours. I'm not sure I agree with that. But what are your thoughts about Karen Johnson, who interestingly took the name Whoopi Goldberg, saying what she did on uh, The View and then getting suspended for it? Now she's threatening to quit. I'm not sure anybody cares. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think what she said, I I really focused on more of what she said than the sort of intramurals going on at ABC. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think there's no question that... um, the mainstream media, ABC and others, uh, are more or less um, aligned with progressive views these days. And what I talk about in my book, as a matter of fact, a fair amount, is that what happens on campus doesn't stay on campus anymore. It's not like Vegas. So you used to have situations where you couldn't have stand-up comedy comedians on campus. You had camp. You had self-censorship, two-thirds of students on campus have felt that they've had to self-censor themselves because if they didn't, they'd get in trouble and get canceled, etc. Um, certainly that's the case with faculties. And uh, where, t- where it's 12 to 1 um, uh, uh, progressive faculty versus conservative faculty. So what you have is that these trends are now taking over in journalism and taking over in entertainment and media. And that's why I think 
it all started, frankly, on campus. If you look at all of these trends, where did they start? They started on campus. They started in academia. And so many people didn't pay enough attention to that. And mm-hmm. now when individuals and others are at risk of getting canceled, they're wondering where this all came from. Well, it does and, come from an enormous amount of left-wing politics because leftists and liberals, leftists having controlled the Democrat Party, uh, have made Jew hatred part of their platform, for heaven's sake. But, you know, where did that even come from? Let's, let's not forget the Democratic Socialist Party was founded, and one of its express um, reasons for founding was that it was going to be not against Israel when it was founded in the 70s. And mm. so the question is, which surprises people, because don't forget, it's only in the last 10 years or so that even the Democratic Socialist Party has become uh, ardently anti-Israel. So mm-hmm. where are these notions coming from? And again, the Democratic Party did not used to be... Um, uh, you, you used to be very much uh, Israel supporters. They also they also used to be pro female, and I mean we could go down a litany of of things that the left used to stand for that no longer do they, such as free speech and not censoring people. On and on and on it goes. But so, what's your answer? You're saying it all started on the college campus. I think there's really little doubt of that if you look at mm. the evidence. I mean. It trickled out of campus. The notions of what are supposed to be journalism versus advocacy came from the came from the schools. This, there's, um, you know, again, ample ample evidence of that, and okay. that's what worries me is mm-hmm. that these trends are not getting better on campus. They're getting worse, oh, no, and they somehow not. seem to come back time and time again to Jews, which is Isn't that remarkable. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you, this is the $69,000 question. It keeps getting higher and higher. Inflation. Uh, um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That I'd like you to wax philosophic with all of our time, this conversation, because I took a look at your background and what you've written on, and I thought you're the perfect person to ask this question. Karen's flattery will get you everywhere. Thank you. <laughs> let, let me see if I can make it succinct because uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell just a little bit of a story. I uh, had to step down from a panel show that was supposed to be all conservative women. You're going to love this part of the story. Uh, and this happened, I don't know, a couple months ago, whenever it was. And I was confronted at the very end of the show with one of the other conservative ladies pulling out her favorite book to, and, and I had no way of even rebutting it, even if I'd wanted to conservative now Liberty loving her favorite book is the protocols of the elders of Zion. Um, I say that by way of uh, saying that a good many conservatives who are looking at um, globalism, the broader picture of the kind of Marxism, socialism, communism that is being imposed on the free world. It's, it's astonishing that we're living to see it. They talk an enormous amount about the Rothschild Bank. Whenever I hear Rothschild's bank, 
I generally think, okay, here comes the Jew hatred. Uh, The first story was really off uh, beyond the pale. Uh, But there's a good many very well-meaning conservatives who lay all of it at the feet of the Rothschilds, certainly the banks. And I would love to hear you talk about this at some length. Well, first of all, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is largely, about a third of it has, is plagiarism from a novel, a French novel um, by Maurice Jolet, which was um, lampooning Napoleon III. So let's start out with that. Someone took as their template a fiction novel. In, mm-hmm. uh, someone in Russia took a fiction novel used literally the exact same words. This is not like, you know, oh, it's similar, it's this, it's that. And then added a whole bunch and used it as a template for a whole bunch of hatred because they just didn't really feel like working that hard writing a book. <laughs> this has been, there is, the, the, so first of all, there's nothing to it. Even when it was done, even when it was promoted by the czarists, and this is, this is the key to thinking and remembering about conspiracy theories about Jews is that the people who are making it know that they're lying, but they know that they can find enough susceptible people in the world to believe bunk. And the easiest way to hack into human beings' brains is to provide them with conspiracy theories. We should go off on that a little bit too. But I just yeah. want to come to the answer about I want to finish the first part, and then I want to come back to what conspiracy theories well, are. And let me just so add dangerous. with the Protocols of the Elders of Zion – they were used to justify the pogroms, the Holocaust. Yes. Many people still today believe that uh, it's justified to persecute and punish the Jewish people as a whole uh, because of these false charges. For sure, uh, and this is the and, history. of. Yeah. Uh, look at the, to the Simon of Trent. It was the, for one of the first, it was the first major publicized blood libel against Jews, which was used as a reason to wipe out Jews in the town. Right. The, the person who promulgated that, this fellow who was a bishop-priest in the area, bishop-prince in the area, Johannes Hinderbach, knew what he was doing. I mean, that's the thing about the Protocols the Elders of Zion. That's the thing about, by the way, the Amnesty International report. The people who are writing this generally know that they're, uh, that they're creating propaganda, but it is so effective. And it's so effective against minorities like Jews. Yeah. Before we get to the Rothschilds, I want yep. to ask you real quick, uh, do you consider yourself a conservative thinker who recognizes what's going on in the world in terms of what I said, the globalism, people deciding that they're going to control other people's lives, particularly in free countries? I mean, is this resonating with you before we go here because people are searching for some of these stories. They, they become conspiracy. I mean, the, forgive me, the old conspiracy theories, some of them are coming true. Not all. I've never been a propagator of conspiracy theories, but some of them are coming true in terms of the infiltration of Marxists into our country, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's a lot bundled into what you said. First of all, uh, fundamentally, I consider that I want to talk to people across the spectrum. 
So as long as you're not far, you know, right, if you're not, if you're, for example, the, you're not alt-right, and as long as you're not, you know, That's a made-up term, alt-right. Uh, the yeah, left made up that Rich, term. Well, uh, Richard Spencer, actually, Richard Spencer made up that term, and he... And guess he, what? He, he, Richard he Spencer was an Obama it. supporter, but that's beside the point. And that's not a conspiracy, as far as I know, but... Richard Spencer, uh, very interesting history there, uh, which does not mean there isn't Jew hatred on the right. Forgive me. Yeah, there is definitely Jew hatred on the right. Yeah, there always has Richard been. Spencer says it out loud. So mm, um, well. there's clearly, he clearly doesn't like, uh, he clearly, he criticizes, as a matter of fact, people on the right who aren't sufficiently against uh, Jews in Israel. Um, but having said that, there's a, yes. there's a broad spectrum in the middle that... I of people who haven't been told what to think, but are trying to actually think for themselves, and those are the people I want to talk to, because okay. folks who don't want to listen to the other side, um, even if it's only to sharpen their own argument, that's where I have a problem. So I'm in that much disabused, much disabused uh, 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 place, which is the broad center. Hi. Um. Let's talk about the Rothschilds for a minute, because it is true the banks are making lots of decisions for a lot of people. But as soon as you hear the Rothschilds, do you immediately think, ah, here comes the conspiracy theories? Or what do you think about that? Um, there's no question about it. If you Google on the first page of a Google search, if you Google some of the things you're talking about, some of the various terms, the first page is a, a list of quote-unquote Jewishly controlled banks, which, by the way, are lists of the bank, the Central Bank of Iran, the Saudi Arabian Bank. Every bank, people who are sworn, Cutter's Bank, who are, you know, fund Hamas, are listed. It's a pure conspiracy theory. There is no central bank that's controlled by the Rothschilds, period, full stop. Um, the Rothschilds, as many bankers during the Middle as, as many bankers during the Middle Ages, because Christians weren't allowed to lend to each other, they didn't have the same sort of worldwide trusted networks. Um, so a good chunk of so solid banking, not a good chunk, was done by um, families such as the Rothschilds. There is literally no truth. You can get you can get a you can get a um, you know, report on every bank in the United States and find out who owns them. Okay, listen, we've got to take a quick break. Yep. We're going to continue this conversation right after this break with Scott Shea. He's disabusing people of some of their conspiracy theories on Spouting Off. We'll be right back. You're listening to Spouting Off with Karen Gadolini. Are you among the millions of Americans who feel uncertain when it comes to their health care? We are happy to inform you that there is a solution, and that solution is Liberty HealthShare. It's a community of like-minded people who work together to pay for their medical costs. You choose your doctor and hospital, starting at $107 a month for a single, up to $449 a month for a family. That's mom, dad, and all kids. For more info, visit libertyhealthshare.org. That's libertyhealthshare.org. And now, more Spouting Off with Karen Cataline. 
Welcome back to Spouting Off Friday. It's Cash Friday, so go out and spend some cash or do it during the week. Spend your cash so that people don't track you simply because you are buying and selling. Yes, (laughs) I use those references occasionally. We're talking to Scott Shea, author of the book Conspiracy You, a case study. And we're talking particularly about uh, people on the conservative side, and and I come upon them all the time. They think, uh, and thank you for staying with us, Scott. We really appreciate it. A pleasure. Um, They think that the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is exactly what it is. It's a fraud. It was used to murder Jews. But when it comes to the Rothschilds, the Rothschilds Bank and the bankers, uh, they do believe that. And it's coming out more and more as we see this move towards globalism and people trying to fill in the blanks with what's happening with uh, COVID and shutting people down, shutting businesses down, forced vaccinations, these kinds of things we've never seen in a free Uh, in the free West before, and we're seeing it in spades right now. Tell us how that works into the idea of the Rothschilds Bank being uh, uh, behind a lot of this. Well, again, there's no truth to it. There's no Rothschilds Bank. There are a few banks, investment banks around the world, and banks that are not major banks that still have Rothschild ownership or are... Uh, have the name Rothschild, but they almost don't exist anymore. Um, and they never were all that powerful. I mean, they were, whenever there was a major bank in all candor throughout the Middle Ages, usually sooner or later the sovereign would expropriate all of the value of it. Um, so uh, I just want to be clear, There's, it's a conspiracy theory. There's no truth to it. And I think an important thing, and we're sort of, have talked around this a little bit. Sure. Is I think people need to understand what a conspiracy theory is. By the way, why it's so crazy that most many of these conspiracy theories are emanating from academia, which is supposed to know better, and how they can gird themselves to figure out if a conspiracy theory is true or not. So here's mm. the thing. You can have a theory about a conspiracy. Let me give you an example, which is a well-known one. You can have a theory that... The COVID virus was leaked accidentally, purposely, however you want, from the Wuhan virology lab. So what do you have to do? You're supposed to see if there's evidence. You um, presumably send people there, um, check data, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you may come to the position that you can't get enough data. So you don't know for sure. You may have suspicions, but you don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. So you can decide, yes, it happened there. No, it didn't happen there. Or it's not, it's not for sure. What a conspiracy theory is, is where it takes a non-real facts, connects dots that don't exist, and pulls them together and says that even the lack of proof is more proof that the conspiracy theory is true because this evil cabal of whoever it is are so good at covering things up. Can you give an example of that? 
Let me give you an example from a, let me give you an example unfortunately from Northwestern University from a far right from a from a, a, uh, right. a neo Nazi professor, um, Arthur yeah. Butts, a tenured professor at Northwestern University. Unfortunately, I spent the, not unfortunately, but I read his whole book, 400 plus pages, called The Hoax of the 20th Century. He claims the Holocaust was made up. Oh. And yet he is a, he's confronted with evidence that he, as an academic, there are tens of thousands of documents um, that, um, that uh, uh, document, that show the execution of the final solution. There are minutes from the Wannsee Conference in 1942, the 80th anniversary, which was where the final solution was decided. And there are many people who confessed to being perpetrators, to killing Jews, murdering Jews, to being guards, to being witnesses, etc., etc. So what does he do? He says that this evil cabal of Jews was so smart, and by the way, he says they're really Zionists. They're not, he, he claims to love Jews but hate Zionists. Um, that they really, really were so smart that they planted all these documents all across Europe in places where just by chance they were discovered. Forged documents, pretty amazing. But these are pretty, but in his view, again, the absence of evidence is proof that he's right. And he says that Jews who barely were around at the Nuremberg trial bamboozled, to use his words, use his word, poor, innocent um, uh, humane Nazis into confessing to crimes of humanity that they would have never they imagined. Commit. Oh my never God. would have made, never committed. And maybe a few Jews died in a typhoid breakout. And the only oh. thing the Jews were put in camps for was to protect them against the Russians. It was for their own good. It's always now, for their own good. Always for their own good. So what he does is oh. any fact to the negative, he mm. expands around. He expands around, and the conspiracy theory negates facts. And look, he says, so on the far right, he's on the far right, he's a neo-Nazi. I don't know whether, you how sure? you want to care. When you say far right, uh, what does that mean? Is he like, uh, do you think he's a Trump supporter? Is he... Uh, I honestly have no idea what what. Yeah, what, so what he why is would he be? That. Why would he be the far right? I'm well, curious. Because there's is, a lot of Holocaust deniers on the left. So I want to give you an example of another professor, Professor Stephen Salada, who writes that the Nazi Holocaust, I'm directly quoting him here because it's so amazing, in his book Israel's Dead Soul, he says the Nazi Holocaust in Europe seems a direct antecedent to the founding, Israel's founding. There were plans from the outset of Zionism Ah, to rid the promised land of his indigenous people. So my point is people who are neo-Nazis and people who are far left end up saying stunningly the exact same thing. And that's, that's what, and, and, and the conspiracy theories about Jews are, and I do this, show this in the book, and it, it frankly freaked me out, is mm. that they have the, pretty much the exact same conspiracy theories about Jews. So I don't want to get into labels far left, far right, but certainly um, Butts being a neo-Nazi and, um, and, and Salata being, and, and, Thre- and Thrasher and other professors that I show being Marxists, having the same theories, is troubling. And you know what, Stephen, let me just say, what, what I'd like to have time for you to, to expound on is 
no Jews don't have a monopoly on any kind of bigotry or racism, whether Karen Johnson thinks so or not. But it is amazing how often, no matter what the problem is, it usually leads to the Jews. Like when there's strife in the world, what, what do you have a theory about that? I mean, people have been asking that question for years. Why is it always the Jews? Or is it just I'm extra sensitive to it? It isn't always the Jews. There's the blacks, there's the Armenians, there's the gypsies, there's gays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the hatred against Jews as an excuse uh, to exterminate them, God forbid, it has held on for an astonishingly long time. Is it because we've just been around so long or what? No. That's, first of all, it's an excellent question. And it's been on the far right with the, with the Nazis and on the far left, you know, the slogan from the river to the sea, Hamas wants to exterminate or expel every Jew in the Middle East. Um, and Hamas and, and Hezbollah wants to kill every Jew in the world. They want to murder every Jew in the world. So okay. there's, this, is, this, is, this is a shared bias from, unfortunately, diverse groups. And here's what I think, if you want to really know what I think, and I'm going to do it. And I really want to know what you think. Okay. <laughs> so I think, and if your listeners remember one thing, I think it's about idolatry. And most people think idolatry is just about mm. setting, you know, bowing down to a, um, a uh, statue or something like that. But really what idolatry is, is a set of lies about power. It's about ascribing superpower, super authority to finite beings or ideologies. So how, did, so how did style, and we had these sort of god kings leading these ideologies like Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, the Assad family, the Kim family, uh, Hitler, I could go on and on. And they used the same tropes as the god king Pharaoh in the Bible. They used poetry, power, pageantry. Amalek. Amalek. They used, yeah. they had secret armies, secret informers. Uh. So they had used state-sponsored violence. So how did Stalin get away with starving a quarter of the Ukraine, killing all the kulaks, sending tens of the millions to, to the gulag, and nobody questioned him? Because he did use the same tropes as Pharaoh. And here's one thing that every idolater knows, is that there could be a bigger god king there could be a bigger god and the bible and the jews have represented this notion of one god and whether that's uh, the god that you like or not it's a big god and so people are to a certain degree because of the intellectual tradition of the jews bringing the bible they're a natural target for every idolater and unfortunately in these days where we've got a lot of God King Pharaohs from Angela Davis, um, you know, whatever she says is considered revealed truth by the far left to a whole host of others. Whatever they say, you notice how everybody falls in line. And unfortunately, the same thing goes true. You know, I hate to say it with, yeah. you know, Patrick Casey and Richard Spencer and Bradley Griffin as well. Um, and look at Michael uh, Penovich, who has a show called The Daily Shoah. People, people believe what they say, and they say, believe it because they consider that they have super, super authority. 
and they don't. So they're afraid of the Jews because ultimately Jews represent that Jews represent and the Bible represents and the whole Bible came to combat idolatry. So that's well, what I think, but, Karen. That's a lot. I think it's a spectacular <laughs> analysis. Uh, and there's so much to unpack there. We can only do so much. Um, it's it's interesting that the most non-Jewish Jews uh, are Marxists worshiping idols themselves. And I've yep. said for years that uh, Marxism and all of these totalitarian ideologies, including uh, Islamo-fascism, et cetera, et cetera, are all trying to compete with or are threatened by God who gives us free will. Yep, humans 100%. who claim Humans who claim to be greater than God never give people free will. They take it away. But God himself gives us free will. That's why I always say uh, we should never expect any less from our government. Um, what do you think about the far-left Marxist Jews that give a lot of us a bad name, who are the least Jewish of all Jews, and yet uh, they're perfect targets for Jew haters who uh, point to them and say, see, they are Marxists. You see how circular it can be, and yet if... If there's a, I hope this is making sense here. If there is a an overt Jew who's dressed in a black hat walking down a, a, a street in Crown Heights or Brooklyn, they take the brunt of the Jew hatred that the Marxists never do. Look, there's no question that uh, people like Norman Finkelstein, Norm uh, Norm Chomsky. Yeah. Um, Shaul uh, Magid, um, Rahm Emanuel, uh, David Axelrod, uh, George well, Soros. I don't even have to, I'm, I'm <laughs> giving the academics right yeah. now who are on the, who oh. are certainly who are certainly anti-Israel and anti-Jew yeah. and 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 combat the idea um, and actually think that there can be no anti-Semitism um, if someone believes, if a Jew believes in the state of Israel, that it's, oh, they deserve whatever they can get. And that's, I think that's even more extreme than, in frankly, the, the people who you might be mentioning. I mean, I think that's far more extreme. Um, because uh, if you read some of those folks and think that they not only don't care about their other, you know, their fellow Jews, they um, uh, enable despicable anti-Semitism yeah, against the yeah, people who you are, you know, who you were mentioning, who, you know, Jews who are just walking down the block but seem to, you know, be overtly Jewish and aren't sitting in in an in the faculty lounge um, yeah. coming up with new uh, narcissistic ideas. Yeah. Um, we do have to wrap it up, and it just has gone so, so fast. But I want to end with people being able to get your book, Yep. But also, and you can tell people where to find it, but
but also on a, on a more positive note, my parents would never have believed that there are so many evangelical Christians. We can say why some leftist Jews say, ah, they just want to convert us, but it's not up to Christians to keep Jews Jewish. It's up to Jews to keep Jews Jewish. And my parents would never have believed that so many evangelical Christians Christians are overtly pro-Israel and support the Jewish people. And to that, I'm grateful. A quick, quick comment there, and then we'll let you tell everybody how they can get your book. Well, I think I can join you in that, Karen. My father was a Holocaust survivor, and... Um... Um, his town uh, was full of Christians, and they turned in every last Jew. So the uh. turnaround has been remarkable, and I think it should be. Uh, I think it is uh, a, a very, very good thing. And and I've had the chance to talk to some evangelical Christians who recognize some of the history, and that only strengthens them in being pro-Israel and supporting the Jewish people. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of my book, um, it's available actually anywhere. It's uh, actually going through a second printing right now. It's available on Conspiracy U, is available at Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, basically anywhere that quality books are sold. And um, you can also get it on my website if you want, but I... You know, <laughs> it's just as happy for you to just log on to ah, whatever your favorite bookstore is. What's your I, website I, address? ScottShea.com. ScottShea.com. But is welcome that. to buy and it anywhere because I just want to get the word out. That's really all I'm looking oh, to do. It's right. really and worrisome. We're living in such extraordinary times that there most certainly is plenty of misinformation. Nobody has a monopoly on the truth completely, but people just need to keep their own counsel and Thank you, Scott Shea, for joining us on this edition of Spouting Off. We so appreciate it. Karen, have a great day and Shabbat Shalom. Uh, Good Shabbos to you, too, as well. Thank you. Well, that about does it for us here on Spouting Off for this week. Tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday when there will be so, and it's at 1 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday and Thursday, WSMN.live. Friday is right here at BBS Radio or the K-Star Radio Network when there will be so much more to spout off about here on Spouting Off.